1: Hello everyone and welcome to this special episode of the Phileas Club, A Day in Bia. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is the show where we get together every month or so and we discuss the news with people from different parts of the world and different cultures so they can tell you roughly how they saw the news in the past month and maybe provide some kind of uh, different angle from what we're used to. Uh, What we're going to do today though is a special episode uh, where we're going to spend a little bit of time with our good friend Turkey uh, and try to figure out things about Saudi Arabia. How
0: is it going turkey oh it's doing doing great here it's uh, lovely weather you're well, aren't getting, you lucky it's getting there at least <laughs> <laughs> um, well i consider it very lovely since we are not hitting the 40 degrees centigrade anymore Jeez. yes well <laughs> you are in
1: the middle of the desert uh so <laughs> it shouldn't surprise me that much um so this kind of episode i I'm, i want to do uh, every once in a while and uh, i think it should be interesting to try and dive into uh, a little bit of a more uh, personal conversation with individual people to try and explore lives that are a little bit different from the ones that us Westerners are used to and maybe try to get, at least that's the aim, we'll see how it goes, but try to get a perspective on those uh, countries and cultures that we wouldn't get in traditional media. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think we hear a lot about Saudi Arabia, except for very specific topics, which are basically terrorism and oil. So uh, hopefully we'll we'll avoid those and <laughs> uh, try to talk about maybe more of the day-to-day of someone who lives in Saudi Arabia, and uh, hopefully it will be somewhat interesting. Are you ready to tell us all of your secrets?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's what makes Saudi a bit unique from other countries. It's uh, that we don't have tourism here. So, Very few people get a chance to visit the country and those who visit it usually are here uh, as expats who are working mostly or business people who are visiting. So it's a limited access for most people to this country, especially from the Western world.
1: I guess for tourism, it's true, but you have a huge influx of people for the Hajj, uh, which uh, brings in millions and millions of people.
0: Yeah, well, in the Hajj, it's uh, limited because uh, most of those people are limited to two cities. So they usually come to the city of Mecca and Medina, the two holy cities for Muslims. So, and definitely almost none of them ever visit the capital Riyadh, for example, because it's way out of the, uh, their path and they are not allowed to travel outside those two cities.
1: Oh what, yeah that's that's interesting why are they not allowed is it a visa issue like they just they can come for the for religious purposes but yes right yes
0: that's that's exactly the visa is a pilgrimage visa so they are only allowed to visit within Mecca and Medina usually And uh, their visa does not uh, allow them to travel outside those cities. Uh, They also get a chance, some of them, to visit Jeddah City because basically it's uh, very close to Mecca. And it's, it's usually where they land if they're flying or coming by ship. That's where they go through.
1: Um, So I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but I have a couple of introductory questions, um, which are just to to get us in the mood. Um, I'd like to ask you, what is the one stereotype about Saudi Arabia that is the most annoying to you? The most
0: annoying is... That there are actually people out there that actually think we live in the middle of the desert with camels, riding camels and moving around (laughs) in tents. Uh, Do you think people still
1: think that those seriously think it?
0: Well, at least in the States. Yeah, trust me, there are people in the States who seriously think it. I've met them.
1: Ah, okay. Uh, well, it's true that you've spent some time in the States. Uh So you've actually talked to people who... Th- well, okay, to be fair, you have some people who are still tribal and live, you know, maybe not in tents, but do have camels and are uh, yeah, a little yeah, bit definitely. closer to that image.
0: Yes, yes. But those are usually outside the city, small towns and so on. But uh they think I when when I talk about Saudi some people actually think that I live in an area where there's tents and camels all around us and I go out, I find yeah.
1: So you go and squeeze cacti for to get water out. And, uh. So uh, okay, but to address that stereotype, I I went on Facebook and uh, I did ask uh, for listeners to ask questions. And one thing I said was there are no stupid questions, and I would like uh, people to ask uh, pretty much anything they would think of, uh, even without assuming that one question is going to be regarded as silly. Um, and we're going to get to those questions a little bit later in the show. We got a, a good. Of, sure. uh, of good questions, um, but to address this this question of do Saudis live in tents in the desert with camels to provide them uh, shade? Um, how how much of the population lives in cities? Is it like you know everyone, and there are a couple of people living um, as Bedouins? Or
0: well, let's see. Um, right now, the population of Saudi Arabia is about twenty eight million. And about 5 million live in Riyadh City. And you have another 3 million living in Jeddah City. And you have about uh, a million living in the uh, eastern provinces. So that's, you got right about now. About 10, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's almost 10. And then about the remaining, I would think, at least 70% of them are live in either in small cities and, uh, and another maybe th- 25% live in small towns.
1: So when we're talking about... Okay, Riyadh is a city, like a proper city-city with paved roads and, you know, like buildings and all of that. Yes, okay, when yeah. we're talking about small towns, if you had to translate it into western views what kind of and you know you've been to the us you've been in europe you've traveled yeah. what kind of town would you compare those small towns where most of the people live is it like uh you know the australian outback where there's uh, uh you know two buildings and a dirt road and i'm gonna get calls from australians telling me that that's not how it is uh, but uh, you know or is it like a, a, a still a, a proper, full town with all the amenities and everything?
0: Uh, well, actually, you find both. Both types of towns. You, we do have, uh, for example, uh, in there's, I know this for a fact, there are some schools. You would go to a school. The school is in the middle of nowhere. And it actually sits there because it serves about uh, uh, five or ten towns that are more of, uh, they're not, they're villages, like couple, maybe. Uh, villages, even smaller. They would, could be an, a small tribe, maybe 50 people living in that area and have like 20 homes or something and stuff like that. And you have a few of those and they're served by a single school in the middle. Okay.
1: All right. Um, so let me move on to the next question, which is what stereotype about Saudi Arabia is the most true?
0: Mm, let's see. The most true stereotype. Well,
1: that everyone
0: live is super rich because of oil. Right? Well, that's, that's true. That, that's kind <laughs> of true, actually. That's kind of true. If you look at it from a percentage point of view, Saudi Arabia does have the largest percentage of rich families in the world. So uh, so in a way it is true. It's it's not true that uh, everybody here is rich, but we have a huge the, the 1% like the, they say in the US, the 1%. I think here they are a 5 or a 10%, not a 1%. Okay.
1: That's that's yeah. significant. But I sort of yeah. interrupted you. Is there another one that's true
0: Um no, I think I think that's the thing that's most true. Uh uh, stereotype. I don't think these are stereotypes. Uh, everybody knows women don't drive here, so that's a fact. Right. And apparently everybody knows it. Uh, so, the, yeah. Okay. Um,
1: so, let's move on. I, actually, this next question was inspired by uh, the book you started after you did the the Kickstarter, which I thought was really fascinating. You were basically going over in that first chapter I read um, yeah. over the... the life of an ordinary school uh, boy who, who was just, you know, getting up and getting ready for school. So it inspired me to ask you, um, maybe for people who actually don't know anything about Saudi Arabia, which is most of us, I'm sure, uh, how would you describe the typical day for a teenager uh, that goes to school with all of those quirky details you're going to know, because they're going to seem quirky to us who have never been in uh, Saudi Arabia?
0: All right, well, Well, I can tell you that, but keep in mind, my information is old, so <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, not that old. How old are you?: it. I'm 38.
1: Okay, 39 so- this December. Okay, so maybe 20 years old, <laughs> roughly.
0: Yeah, so I would give you a better image. And it's basically the same for current days. But of course, uh, there's a huge differences of uh, generation movement and technology and so on. So today but, they would
1: all be, uh, you know, looking at their phones and not paying attention to what's happening around them.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly the situation. We have, It's very popular, WhatsApp. And Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat is huge here right now. So they would just sit in front of, play with their phone and just look through it. And I'm almost sure the current generation don't even notice uh, anybody else when they wake up in the morning. <laughs> so that is phone. the
1: same everywhere, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, but basically, in, uh, f- for an average uh, kid here, it's, uh, school is usually starts about 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Jesus!
1: that's. <laughs> I-, I guess it's so hot...
0: Well, that's one reason. Another reason is uh, they're controlling traffic. So basically, school starts at 7, government agencies' offices start at 8, and uh, private sector starts at 9 on average. So it changes from time to time, and private sector has different times, but that's the basic standard. And uh, and school does end up leaving uh, between 12 and 2 depending on the day.
1: Okay, so it's an early school day. I guess that's uh, somewhat different. I think in France, we have one of the longest ones. We usually start around eight or nine and finish at between four and usually six. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's really long in France. But anyway, we're talking about Saudi Arabia. All right, so get up at uh, at six...
0: Yeah, get up at 6, usually, uh, get, go around, get ready. Uh, if, you, if you haven't woken up to pray in the morning prayer, you have the morning prayer, which is at sunrise, just before sunrise. So if you haven't done that yet, you you'd usually do it, wash so up,
1: get ready. Y- you're supposed to do the morning prayer when the sun rises. It's okay if you don't, you just do it when you when you
0: wake up? Uh, you're supposed to do it just before sunrise usually that's the morning prayer and uh, yeah you, you can do a, if you miss a prayer you can do it anytime you're just uh, expected to do it that's all actually so, uh,
1: so that's a question from richard uh he yeah. asked it on facebook he said uh during the call for prayer what happens if someone does not stop and pray if you don't do it maybe yeah. not because you don't you can't but because you just you know you're busy or you're checking
0: snapchat or whatever yeah it- i saw that question it's uh uh it's an interesting question because it depends on like 20 years ago and now it's completely different situation so uh like 20 years ago the there was the religious police were more strong and more aggressive, and that's another thing. We have something called a religious police. Well, they're not exactly called religious police; they're called the uh, Committee for Virtue and or something. I really don't remember the English name, and and they have powers where they are trying to enforce the religious uh, uh, culture and, and laws and. Stuff like that. So like 20, 30 years ago, they really had some strength in the, around here where they would just come in, find you not praying, pick you up, put you in their van, and either drive you to their office and start interrogating you or just take you to the mosque and make you pray. Uh, right now, no. They are still around, they still do their jobs, but it's more civilized. They're basically, most of the times, there are exceptions, of course, for everything. Most of the times they just uh, advise you, talk to you, and ask you to please go pray and uh, maybe give you a small lecture and so on. But yeah, it's uh, very normal. Uh, Actually, I keep on commenting uh, when I go out on uh, Fridays or during Ramadan, when we go out for uh, iftar, which is to break fast at the evening, and I've noticed a huge difference between when I was younger, like twenty, thirty years ago, and between these days, uh, like twenty, twenty years ago. If I go out in on Friday in the in the noon to go uh, have lunch at my family, I would find the Riyadh streets are completely empty. I could be the only car in the entire city driving. The same thing during Iftar 20 years ago when you go out. Nowadays, Can, can you I explain go, why that is? Uh, Friday is because it's, it's, it's the weekend, so everybody is usually goes praise the Friday prayer, which is uh, our weekly prayer, like Saturday and Sunday for the Christianity and Jews. And, uh, and usually people would just go home and just relax, and they don't have any activities. And uh, nobody's open at all, usually— and uh, for iftar, it's basically because everybody is ready where they need to be to have to the break their fast and have iftar. So nobody goes out and drives just before uh, sunset. But nowadays, if you do that, it's it's crowded, it's busy, it's it's really, really, for me, it's like a complete change because. Apparently, people now are more active. There's more people in the city, definitely. 20 years ago, there were maybe 2 million. Now there's over 5 million people in the city. And of course, uh, life has changed and the way people live. So there's a lot of activities. You find them out and doing prayer and so on and being active.
1: So would you say that in the (coughs) last 20 years, uh, the country, or at least Riyadh, has become less religious
0: or um no i don't think i would say less religious i would just say more flexible mm. uh for for one it's bigger so that makes a lot of difference so for uh 20 yeah, years but ago
1: it, however many people are there if they all have to you know stop and pray mm-hmm. then
0: no no that's not what i meant like for 20 years ago uh, riyadh was smaller so if you wanted to, to have a trip it takes you like 10 minutes 15 minutes to go from one side of the city to the other so you can have a quick trip and you can have enough time to do it and reach where you are and still pray nowadays just driving from <laughs> that one side of the city to the other can take you easily an hour an hour and a half two hours I guess that's one theme that is recurring yeah. in the show is
1: you tell us about the horrible traffic jams in, in, in the yeah. city, which I have to say before you told me about them, that is not how I imagine Riyadh at all in Saudi Arabia, like a, a city
0: so trafficked that you would have traffic jams. Well, you you have to think of uh, Saudi. For one thing, traffic jams have different reasons. The, of course, one is very poor planning in, in a lot of areas. Uh, uh, the increase of population is another reason. How and you also have the major problem, which is everybody drives. Mm. Every single person drives because well, except no- for women who have drivers yeah. i guess yeah they have drivers so that's uh, but th- my point is you you can't walk in the city either because they haven't built walking place uh, making it easier for walking pedestrian for walking or because it's too hot to walk outside and it's right. too and so on so you can't walk you, there's you can't use bicycles for the same reasons uh, public transportation we really have almost no public transportation so the only option you have is to drive and we don't understand the concept of pooling carpools (laughs) so 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 i would go out like this is for example me and my brothers are invited to a wedding and we go and meet at my mom's place and we get ready so we can leave and as we're going out you know what you take your car, I'm taking my car, you take your car. So four cars leave the house at the same moment to attend a wedding and then come back. Why? Because nobody, everybody wants to make sure that he has his own car. So he can, if he decides to leave early or need to pass by another place, he would have that flexibility and not be committed to someone. Okay.
1: All right. So let's go back to the school kid getting up, uh, doing the morning prayer, and then?
0: Uh, usually they would have... Uh, a uh, light breakfast, uh, depending on the household. Uh, their parents usually most of the times are awake, especially if the father is a government employee, then he's basically awake getting ready for work also because he leaves like half an hour after them. Or if he, they don't have a driver, uh, the father is going to drop them off. So usually the- how, how common is that driver situation? Um, extremely, extremely, very, very common.
1: So this is because women can't drive. I'm sure, first yeah. of all, uh, that's the number one reason. So every family needs to have someone that is capable of driving the the women in the family where they want to go.
0: Uh, definitely, you do need someone that drives uh, the women in the family, and uh, and that's and that's the biggest problem when you don't. Women can't drive, so you they're stuck. So how expensive is that though? Is it
1: immigrants that do this job or Yes,
0: yes. Uh, all all drivers almost all are expats and they are usually from the subcontinent like from uh, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka and from the Philippines as well and uh, Indonesia also. So, so how
1: expensive
0: have- is it to have a driver? Um it, the expensive if you're talking about their salaries, then they earn the drivers earn um uh, let's see right now they earn about three hundred four hundred dollars a month okay uh it used to be as low as two hundred dollars uh so that's from the salary point of view then you have all the government fees which is to get the visa and get the employment agency to arrange to find you a driver in, from their country and br- sending oh, them so here. you so you actually and I'm going to use a horrible
1: term but you actually yeah. order them from the different the, another country you go to yes. the to the agency and you say yes. I need a driver, can you find someone in Afghanistan yes. or whatever? Yes, 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 exactly. How is that, that regarded in in society? Is it like well, we give them jobs and they're happy to take them, or is it like wait that's kind of uncool to sort uh, of mail order
0: your driver or actually yeah. it's very very normal. Nobody even thinks about it usually, hmm. so you so it costs you about for that it costs you about. 2000 up to $5,000, depending on which country you're bringing him from, what's the situation, and so on. So do they live in the same house as the family, or do they just
1: show up in the morning and leave? No, and
0: usually leave? they live in the same house as the family. Usually the family would have a driver's room, special room for him, where he stays in. And what about, the? Uh, is there other help, or like, do you have maid? a driver and yeah. a maid? Yes, yes, uh, we have maids in Saudi, and it's very normal to have a maid here, uh, and uh, same situation as the drivers.
1: Okay, so the, usually in the, those kinds of societies, that creates you know very different classes in society, and I don't want to say resentment, but certainly there is a, a well, really two different classes. Is that how are those uh, immigrants? thought of in the saudi society you you were saying it's very normal
0: but um. uh, yeah there is uh, that kind of situation and uh, I, I don't want to defend the situation at all but uh, 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 the facts are a lot of these uh, expats are actually here for the job so and for them most of them are actually earning like as much as 10 times what they would earn back home sure so, What's
1: the average wage for, uh, you know, monthly salary for a Saudi?
0: A Saudi right now, the minimum is 3,000 riyals. The average is 8,000 riyals, and that's about... Uh, 8,000 riyals is about $2,000.
1: Okay, so they're still being paid significantly less than the average um uh, a Saudi yes. citizen, right? Yes, yeah.
0: yes, yes. Uh, the average is uh, significantly low, uh, but it's about right now with the current times and current salaries, they earn almost half of the low-income Saudis. Okay. So they right, are so- about 1,500 rials and Saudis earn 3,000 rials on average for minimum income. Okay.
1: Uh, all right, so you, you're... you're- father is up and you're getting ready for school and they go to, you know, they go to their work and the
0: driver gets you to school. Yep. Uh, the driver gets you to school. And, uh, of course we have two different schools for girls, sc- 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 girls go al- to school alone, girls, sc- girls only school and uh, boys only school. And, uh, that's how they, and then when they get to school, uh, I can't say about the girls' school, but definitely when you get to the guys' school, you have the morning parade where all the students gather and then they have something like a radio show or a podcast or whatever where one classroom would stand up on a mic and do a presentation like a five, 10 minutes show of uh, different topics talking in the microphone. So to the whole school. To the whole school, then you have some exercises, morning exercises. Sorry, then just a
1: second. What's what's the purpose of that? That I don't know.
0: Uh, <laughs> spect- well. Uh-
1: it's just to get
0: people to express themselves or i i think so i'm not exactly sure i think it's more it's educational and at the same time trying to make people express themselves because at least when i'm in, in my school in those times i remember each class tried to do something unique and uh, very different from the other classes and some of them were actually good efforts from the students and very creative so would you? Would they try to make
1: something funny, or did things that were controversial? Uh, controversial,
0: did, no. Okay. No, controversial, right, obviously. Funny, funny, yes. Uh, info, not informative, yes. Yeah.
1: So, for example, they would do a, a ten-minute presentation on—I uh, have no idea. Like, what? What would it be?
0: Uh, For example, they usually would start with a reading from the Holy Quran, then they would uh, maybe have a comedy sketch, uh, they would have... uh Uh, information about the topic they would talk about a specific topic information knowledge right i Uh, mean uh, what what kind of topic would they discuss is my question uh, it it, it depends Uh, so each one is uh, they bring their own uh, ideas Uh, i think the most famous thing is uh, uh, something said did you know and they would just Mm. like have a list of 10 things that are unique that did you know did you know that
1: giraffes have two
0: hearts one in the Throw yes. and one in the. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, exactly, okay. something like that. So, you know, it's funny
1: because when you say, so they would start with a reading of a passage of the Holy Quran, it, it's like, for me, it's like, yes, of course, that's Saudi Arabia. And then you're, you say, and then they would have a comedy sketch. I'm like, oh, all right, that, I, that is not what I expected.
0: So. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, it's, it's very normal. Uh, Saudis in general, <laughs> I do think they have good humor. <laughs> <laughs> but after all Sa- Saudis I am, are human I, I beings am, that... I, 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 I am humoring you so I must have to humor you
1: <laughs> alright so the, the please go on with the parade
0: uh, so they then they have their exer- morning exercises they do it as a group and then they start classes and uh, on average in Saudi they uh, don't know if any of this changed and I don't think much of it changed. Uh, they have, on average, uh, every day seven classes. And uh, between classes, uh, in the middle of there's a break, which is people go out and have maybe breakfast and uh, exercise or just enjoy their time. And uh, I've Depending on which country you are in, uh, I know, for example, in the States, you don't pick the class. You just move between classes. And Saudi a student picks one class, and that's where they stay, and the teachers change in that class. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and the topics are, uh, let's see, I think, um, pff, my memory serves me right, about 30% religion. And then you have maybe uh, twenty percent activities, different activities. uh, Twenty-five percent Arabic and uh, twenty percent Arabic. Maybe ten percent history and geography, and twenty percent science. Okay, so two questions. First of all, for me, um, religious studies
1: are a very strange concept. Uh, I'm sure for many of our listeners, uh, probably in the U.S., they're more familiar with the idea, even if they haven't done uh, them themselves. But in France, it's definitely not something that's common. Um, What do they consist of? Islam. Okay, so you're
0: studying the Quran and learning what it says and. And the meaning of the Qur'an, memorizing the Qur'an, Uh, you learn the hadith, which is the sayings and uh, doings of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And uh, you learn also uh, fiqh, which is the Islamic laws of etiquette and life and so on, and uh, and law, sharia law. So So. when you mentioned
1: uh, the Prophet, you did say peace be upon him. Is that something you have to say? Every time you say yes, yes, that's
0: uh, Muslims are expected to say it. It's uh, out of respect. You don't have to say it. It's just something that everybody does.
1: Okay, expected.
0: Um, I see. Um,
1: What about the science uh, portion you mentioned? It's twenty or twenty-five percent science that you study in school. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: How much science is science? Because. Uh, oh, let's see. Uh, uh, you could they mathematics, of course, uh, geology, uh, chemistry, physics, uh, biology.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the regular topics.
0: I yes, think we mentioned
1: yes. in the last episode something like evolution or.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, definitely evolution is not uh, taught. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but neither is uh, the creation's theory. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, all right. Uh, so it's,
0: it's kind of uh, whatever you believe.
1: <laughs> what um I think in if we look at the cultural image that is projected for uh, the US um which is a point of reference that most people will know because we all watch TV shows and movies where it is exposed uh, you have that idea of the the clicks and you know and the cool kids and the emo kids and the nerds and the blah 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 and and that is something that is definitely not happening like happening like that or not to that extent um in in france how is the interpersonal and societal relationship for school kids uh taking place
0: yeah that whole situation you see in tv and so on in the States. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't even exist here.
1: Right, of course. But I mean, yeah. how, is, how do things happen? Um,
0: if, um, if there is
1: a, a way to describe it, maybe it's just normal school people.
0: Uh, it's just normal school and you have different people. Oh, I uh, used
1: to have that phone. It made that exact ring.
0: Yes, I've heard it at your home. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: so uh, another see. important piece of information uh, Saudis uh do have phones.
0: Thank you. We've we've learned a lot. Uh, all right. Yeah, and we going. have iPhones. We have iPhones also. <laughs> and, and and we're and our neighbors are soon getting an Apple store so we can go there and fix our phones. Nice. So yeah. We're evolving. <laughs> all right. So um right. Yeah. So basically the situation is uh, as far as I know, for in the school, in the, at least for boys, uh, it's just people that come together because they share different uh, ideas, different way of thinking, or different society backgrounds. But there's nothing other than that that separates people. It's basically everybody's together and there's no, uh, nothing like that. So, so as far as I know, yeah. Okay, yeah. so regular
1: classes with regular courses uh, until what time was it?
0: Uh, around noon or? noon or two o'clock, depending on the day, because some days you have seven classes, some days you only have six classes. So Okay. Yeah. And so if you're uh, done with the school, uh, the driver or your dad picks you up, and you go home. So you you get out of the
1: school and you have, like, lines and lines of cars waiting for everyone and you just yes. rush to the...
0: Okay. Yes, yes. Lines and 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 <laughs> lines and lines. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically how the day, the school day usually ends. If uh, your father is a government employee, most likely he will be home also within an hour or two because uh, government usually ends at 2 p.m. So, and that's when you have lunch. Okay. Um, uh, uh, beyond that, it depends from. There's no specific system of how people do it, and trust me, I uh, what happened 20 years ago definitely is not happening now. So I really can't can't update you on what the that's fine cool cool teens are doing these days. So
1: I guess uh, for the rest of the day you're ju- you're just home and doing homework, and do you go out and meet your friends at the mall or what? What do you do? Because from noon or two p.m. Uh, until the time you have to go to sleep, um, we didn't talk about prayers. By the way, I guess there are more prayers happening yeah, in the yeah, day. But so, what do you fire. do? What do you do from two after lunch at home with your family to um, to the end of the day?
0: Um, usually, people just become lazy until at least uh, sunset, and after sunset, usually people uh, gather uh, together. Uh, for teens, uh, they either gather in one of their houses, all the friends meet in one of the uh, houses, or they go to uh, bo- uh, boys, they meet in uh, uh, a camp area or at a k- cafe. What's a coffee. camp area? Uh, it's a camp area. It's not, uh, I don't know what to call it. We call it in Arabic, istiraha. It's kind of like. Uh, an open area that's surrounded with a wall, so it's not. Uh, usually, it's planted in green and maybe has a tent okay. in it where people just so have fun and gather, enjoy the weather at night because the it's night a public weather, park. Weather. Basically, no, no, these are private. Oh, so they go rent it or own one of these? Okay, yeah, they're right. small spaces. Okay,
1: yeah. so, well, I think obviously the the immediate focus of any Western kid uh, or teenager after school would be especially if they don't have girls in school would be talking about girls and you know trying to meet girls and do but obviously in saudi you can't meet girls um, oh yeah,
0: if, if 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 you have the willpower, you, it will happen. <laughs> okay, but supposedly
1: you're not supposed to, you know, hang out with the girls yes. in the in the private park you were mentioning. Yes, exactly. How, how does that that whole thing evolve, and how does the relationship, well, it, or lack of relationship, how does it work? How does it influence people? Do they do they do the kids get together and talk about girls, or do they not? Is it not on their radar,
0: or it uh, depends on the types of people and the the group that you're sitting with. Yeah, some of them would talk about girls a lot. Some of them don't really talk about girls, and so on. So it's it's there's no fixed uh, system on how, and usually they don't become and because of the close society, most kids don't get in, interested in girls until. Some of them start in high school, which is about uh, 6th, 9th, 10th grade. And some of them don't start until they go to college. Uh, Other than that, and especially in the older days, it was more difficult. There was no internet, so you had no access to anything. And unless you can find a magazine here or there that was smuggled through the censorship... (laughs) And you can look at all the pictures and so on. But that would uh, be that would be naked ladies, I'm sure.
1: I, I'm more talking no, about no, 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 not oh, naked no, no.
0: It's not naked ladies. Not no, no. That's uh, that's even more possible to find. So, so what are you talking about when you're talking about magazines? Just uh, starlets, for example, or so even like fashion oh, magazines and fashion stuff like magazines, that. Uh, uh, swimsuit, uh, uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. Stuff like that, okay, but yeah. you were you were mentioning that everyone
1: has smartphones now, and surely that makes these kinds of relationships, or you know when I'm saying relationships, I'm just talking about people talking to one another, surely that's a lot more possible nowadays
0: oh yeah, definitely change it. the the whole situation has evolved uh, w- when I was a kid, the whole situation was you go out and you 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 have a phone in your room, a landline, and then you try and get the attention of girls in malls and slip them your phone number on a cart (laughs) and and hope that they would call you on your landline and you can sneak the landline behind your parents back at night, lock the door and just have a passionate conversation with this girl that you don't actually know how she looks, but you met her covered up in the mall and you gave her your number.
1: Which, by the way, that is forbidden, right? To to speak on the phone.
0: Okay. Uh, No, no, it's not forbidden to speak on the phone. It's just to have a relationship, any type of relationship with a woman that's not related to you. Right, but if you're talking
1: on the phone, you're having some kind of relationship, Yes, even if it's friendship.
0: Yes, exactly. Right. So, so... We moved from that situation to the days when we had pagers and we would go out and slip our pager number and hopefully she'll pager us so we can call her back and have the conversation (laughs) on our landline. Then we evolved to the situation when we actually have our mobile phones and then we can use that to make the phone calls, which is more easier to, to hide so our parents don't find them. And then we evolved to the point that Phones now have Bluetooth built in with them that we can exchange messages in public areas or pictures
1: together. Ah, so so now you just have a network with an app like I can't remember FireChat was it or something like that, where yeah. it creates an ad hoc network through Bluetooth and you can chat with people that
0: are uh, not close no, to this is this is this is older. This is when the first time Bluetooth came out. Ah. Before smartphone days. Oh, okay. So you mean before we had the internet. Now it's just everyone's using apps with the internet. Exactly, exactly. During the days of uh, Nokia and uh, the small phones and Ah. all of those, people would sit in a restaurant. And then we have family sections and single sections. So the girls are in the family section. The guys are in the single sections. And they are messaging each other using the Bluetooth connection between each other.
1: (laughs) So in in one of those private parks um, there aren't groups that don't know each other but if it's a family that's own, that owns it and the daughter of the family or one of the daughters is there with friends and a, a, a son is there with his friends they yeah. and they're sitting you know 20 meters away from one another um is that possible or do they wave at each other from you know, the the across the the park or
0: uh actually if if if, uh, if the family is not related if it's like only one person's related the others are not related and so on no they are completely separated so there would be a wall between them oh so you would need two
1: parks yes so what's the acceptable distance you can stand from someone who is not related to you and of the opposite sex
0: I don't know, but you can stand close to someone that's from the opposite sex, not related to you. We have to do that in work and, uh, and when you go shopping in malls, as long as you don't touch. And uh, but in in that just
1: but in suggest that suggest private car-
0: park, in that private they have,
1: park, they wouldn't they wouldn't be talking or even being that close. But if they were twenty meters away or thirty meters away, it wouldn't work. They would still need a wall be between the two.
0: Uh, because usually in those parks. Uh, They like to be comfortable so women don't cover up sometimes. Ah. So so, so, so it's all about coverage. If the woman is covered, yeah, no problem. They can sit together and so on. But if she's not covered, then usually they have to be separated because the guys are not supposed to see her uncovered. Okay.
1: All right. So they go to the park or they go to the mall or whatever. And then they go
0: back home. I guess they have dinner with the family. Yep. Uh, Have uh, dinner and uh, then go to bed. other than that, uh, on weekends they would uh, go to their grandfather, or grandparents for the day. Sometimes meet every weekend, night, almost every weekend. A lot of families used to do that. I don't know if there's families that are still doing it as religiously as we used to. But I remember when I was younger and my grandfather was alive from my mom's side, we would go every single Thursday to his place. Thursday. I thought the Every weekend Thursday. was oh Thursday evening. No, Thursday used to be the weekend until a year ago. Oh. Okay. It was the weekend was Thursday and Friday. It only changed a year ago, I think. Was it a year or 2 years ago? I Think it was a year ago.
1: Oh, that's right. You you told yeah. me you used to tell me that Saturday was work for you. I, did, yes. I forgot that. Yes. And you would still show up for the show. Yeah. Oh, and and now
0: and so, now Friday and Saturday is the weekend. So why did it change? Uh, to be more compatible with the world. Right, makes because sense. Because we're we're missing if Thursday and Friday are weekend, then Saturday and Sunday the left rest of the world's weekend. So we have four days that we don't communicate with the rest of the world when it comes to business. And how was
1: the religious authorities' reaction to that change?
0: Uh, it it was. Different. There were those who considered it uh, anti-Islamic and sinful and disgusting and copying of the infidels, and then there were those who said, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And but in the end, it it passed without. It doesn't seem
1: like a huge issue.
0: No, it was a huge issue. The only reason it passed that the king decided, the former king Abdullah, he said, "Royal decree, Friday (laughs) and Saturday is the weekend. End of story." <laughs> end of story yep exactly <laughs> okay
1: do you think the the new king would be as likely to do something like that
0: uh I'd, I'd, if to go against the religious authorities, no, i doubt it okay it's very he's much more religious than the previous king
1: um okay, so I guess uh one last question I want to ask you about the uh day the typical day of a teenager is again, about the prayer, uh, we did mention it a couple of times, but let's say they're having fun in the park or at the uh, mall. Uh, I can't remember what, well, actually, I just don't know what time the prayers take place at, Um, but would they interrupt what they're doing and all start praying together? Or is it a, a thing where you know what time the prayers are, obviously, so you just Plan around those times to be, you know, at home or wherever. No,
0: no, you just interrupt it and pray together wherever you are. You, uh, for Muslims, they can pray anywhere; they don't have to be in a mosque. Any location would be fine to pray. Okay, so they just get together and pray. And uh, uh, for Muslims, we have fi- there are five uh, prayers at sunset, sunrise, and uh, at noon. And uh, mid noon, just be, and then you have at sunset and after sunset. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, only,
1: I guess, two of them are in the day. Yeah. During sa- daylight, there's only two. Okay. Um, all right, uh, let's move on to the questions we got on, uh, on Facebook specifically. Uh, and Keith sent a bunch of super cool questions. I'm just going right. to go through uh, a couple of them. Um, and they're somewhat, I think they're better versions than the ones I asked in the, in the beginning. Um, okay. The first one is, what is the most important thing that the West fails to understand about Saudi slash Arab culture?
0: Um, I think it's, I don't think this is purely about Saudis and Arab culture. I think a lot of people, especially in the Western world, don't understand this about other cultures, period, which is a lot of other cultures do have some pride and dignity. And when you come in and you actually try to impose your views and you think you're right, human rights or whatever, Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and so on. And you come to these cultures and you try to impose it from your own side on them. Even those who would actually agree with you a lot of times would cringe at that and become against you and and that doesn't help those people and in the arab societies and muslim society uh, i know this also happens in a lot of other cultures like in the, the russian culture and so on you have people have pride and they would even if they agree with your opinion they might just stand against you because they feel you're attacking their culture their religion their country okay that is uh
1: something i i'm coming to understand more and more um yeah. i think there's a lot of but it's right and and it might be right what you're saying but i <laughs> yeah. think sometimes it's difficult for someone to even to uh-huh. get to the conclusion that they should get at if it's being yelled
0: at by someone else and yeah people you know. people are are very proud and very defensive so when you come in and you try to force something on people and you're an outsider, even those who actually agree with you would just become defensive because, no, no, this is something we're supposed to take care of. We're supposed to change it from the inside. You shouldn't come here and force us to change. We should do it ourselves. All right. Uh, Another question. Uh, What about the
1: inverse, the opposite? What do you think the Saudis fail to understand about the West, which causes us uh, problems? I'm guessing he says us as... Humanity, I'm going to assume.
0: (laughs) Uh, What do Saudis don't understand about the West? Um, You know, that's a difficult one. I'm not exactly sure what they can't understand about the West. I can say one thing. Saudis love conspiracy theories, and apparently the West is full of conspiracies against Muslims and Arabs and Saudis. So. Okay,
1: so <laughs> how how does that work with uh, with the, with, you know, it, they love, cons- can you give us, actually, there's, um, he had a question about this. Why are conspiracy theories like 9-11 uh, was a setup so popular in Saudi Arabia? And do people believe them uh, just to protect national pride or, you know? Yes. That kind of thing. I guess it's related to to what you're saying. Yes,
0: yes. That's that's one of the reasons people would believe in stuff like that. Uh, And other reasons is it's from the it's from our culture from the fifties, sixties, seventies. And during those days of we were we've been under a lot of these countries have been controlled by dictatorships and so on. The media has been controlled and they've been raised on the concept of conspiracy theories. And that's how usually dictators or uh, uh, absolute uh, rulers do it. They control the media and then they feed you all of these conspiracy theories to control you. And right. and and it's something that has been left over throughout those years, and it's still within our society, and and it's still living. And, and of, another reason for conspiracy theories is when a person feels weak, they usually prefer to go to a conspiracy theorists because that's the only way they can accept what's happening is by building this conspiracy theory. Uh, you can't accept that, for example, there's a a good person Saudi that could not accept that Saddam Hussein was an evil man and that he would have destroyed Saudi Arabia during the Gulf War when he turned against Kuwait and the reason is because they only saw always saw him as a great hero and this person just turned on them so the way they adapted is to build this conspiracy theory that it was all an American plan and it was and Saddam was all, still a good person and so on mm. All right. Uh, next
1: question. What Western habits seem bizarre to Saudis?
0: All right, that's that's extremely difficult to answer because for <laughs> me, as an individual, I never see anything bizarre. I've I've grown up to the point that I never think anything is bizarre anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're on the opposite
1: <laughs> scale of things, but uh...
0: yeah, yeah. I've, I got used to saying so many bizarre things. It's just, oh uh, yeah, that's how they do it. Okay, let's move on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, and uh, you know, you were in Paris a few weeks ago, so you're completely <laughs> vaccinated against bizarre things. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I mean, surely. The There is, I'm guessing it's easy to fall into the, um, the religious aspect when, and when people see, uh, some of the aspects of Western culture, they might think it's sinful or things like that. Uh, you
0: know, I'm just guessing. You know what? If, if, if one thing is the concept of like in, uh, in Amsterdam, I was talking to people, they would really, really find it extremely bizarre and, weird, the whole legalized prostitution. Okay. So, I, think, so I think a lot like
1: of Westerners
0: might find this strange <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, a lot of Saudis don't find a lot of... This is the thing. I don't think many Saudis find anything bizarre about They might find something unacceptable uh, they don't understand it, but bizarre—the word bizarre—is. Is, I don't. Mm. I don't think there's much, and nothing really comes to mind.
1: Um, so let me ask you: When it, you, you're sort of half answering it already, but when they see things that are, uh, you know, that don't align with their cultural uh, concepts, do they think this is wrong? And they shouldn't do that, or do they think, well, it's different, and they're just, you know, whatever, that's the way they do it, and we don't care?
0: Um, most, most, I think most would go with, uh, this is wrong, and they shouldn't do that. And, uh, and a, a few that would say, yeah, that's them, uh, I don't care what they do. So, for example, and, and, if- and, 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 and uh, However, let me be clear, that's if they go to, to your countries, to those countries... So that's the that's the people of that country. That's how they do things. I don't. Uh, it's bizarre. They shouldn't do it. I don't care. Let them do whatever they want. It's their country. And if it happens in Saudi, everybody would be outraged. Of course. Yeah.
1: What about um, when people would see? You know, I'm just thinking of theoretical situations. If they see a, a music video that is particularly racy, or you know, you have some naked people uh, in the music video and They see that. Do they think it's disgusting?
0: Do they look at it and giggle or remind me to send you some Arabic music videos? Okay. Well,
1: you're I'm not (laughs) sure what that means. Does that mean there are some super racy ones in Yes. But it's in
0: Saudi they shouldn't be shown, right? They don't show them on Saudi TV, but we have satellite TV. Okay. And so people see them. Every almost every household has over five hundred channels so how how do i can't it's difficult <laughs>
1: for me to reconcile the uh you know religious strictness and then having the these examples of you know okay it's arab uh, uh, channels but it's still corrupt culture right? How is this accepted um or, or is it's... it something that people just watch in half secret and everyone knows they do it, but uh
0: no uh... Not necessarily in half secret, like people usually watch them it's, uh, i I honestly it's very difficult to explain Saudi society and culture and how people think, because it's full of contradictions, so. And and this is what shocks some people. It is full of contradictions. Uh, you have different people. There are houses that don't have satellite TV at all. You have houses that control what is shown on the satellite TV. They only have specific channels, usually religious channels. So it depends on who you're talking to. Then you have those who have all the channels, but Uh, they're religious, but it's one thing to watch on TV, it's another thing what they do in their lives. Then you have those who actually enjoy watching all of this and they are a bit more liberal and so on. So you have all these different levels of people. And uh, depending on what channel you you watch, it differs on what you think. Okay. Um Joseph is asking
1: uh, basically he'd like to know how things have changed uh since the last uh, special on social with uh, social issues I think the we can ask the question a little bit differently um since the death of uh, King Abdullah and uh you know in the past few years how is uh Saudi society evolving on on social issues
0: um, On social issues right now, um, I think Saudi society is kind of on a standstill at the moment. So, uh, Saudis are too busy with other matters to worry too much about social issues. We have the war in Yemen. Uh, we have the concerns of what's happening in Syria. Uh, we are concerned about the... Uh, uh, lifting of the embargo in Iran and their movements. Uh, we have uh, problems with the uh, Islamic State movement mm. and uh, and so on. So we have all of these matters all surrounding us, plus our own economy, oil prices, so on. So socialists issues are not as far as I'm seeing. The, it's not on the top of the agenda at the moment. There's less interest in social issues. Um, okay. But changes that are happening, uh, I think for our society right now, one of the biggest changes is we're actually having the municipality elections. Uh, I think they're happening in two months or something. And for the first time, women can run for it and can elect uh, vote in it. So this is the first time in Saudi history that women... Can be can vote or be elected in the government uh, elections, which is the only elections we have right now.
1: Um, I know that the driving issue was uh, in discussion a few years ago under King Abdullah. Um, but is that uh, for the ex- elections? Is that something that w- was initiated under the previous king, or is it something that uh, was you know
0: supported by the current uh, administration? I guess. Uh, the elections was uh, initiated by the former king, but it was announced and being done under the current king. So, so the former king announced that women would be elected and can vote and can be elected. However, we skipped an election. It never happened. So nobody was sure whether it's going to even happen at all. Uh, the current king, King Salman, actually made it happen. So... so-
1: so he's he's uh, more conservative, but he's not conservative to the point that he would cancel the the reform uh, put in place by uh, the previous king.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of difficult to cancel something that the previous king da- did. Uh, it's kind of insulting for the previous king, and and it depends on how bad it is. So this is only elections and t- it's municipalities, and it's, to be honest it's only an act of elections and voting and and so on i they don't really have much power these people and anything okay. yeah. oh well still symbolically it it seems yeah. like it yeah so awesome. so it's a symbolic thing so no reason to stop it hmm. but
1: but he wouldn't necessarily initiate something similar uh, of his own accord
0: uh to be honest it's difficult to say for sure Personally, I doubt he would, but, uh, you know, you could be surprised. Okay.
1: Um, All right. I think we addressed a couple of the questions uh, Richard asked. Uh, Then Mahmoud is saying, I have seen it firsthand, so I'm good when I asked about questions for Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Uh, So thank you, Mahmoud. And uh, finally, Paul, another friend of the show, um, asked, uh, asked me to ask you to tell us one of your guilty pleasures. One of the things you you like to do or you enjoy that you wouldn't what's, admit to.
0: Was that Fox? Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you don't you don't have to, but you know. Uh. It's it's the kind of, you know, the kind of thing that like uh, in in I guess in the US or France, it would be a particularly bad TV show that yeah. you wouldn't admit to watching with your friends, but you actually watch in secret even though it's uh. terrible.
0: Oh no, I don't have anything that I do in secret. Most of my most of the guilty pleasures I like people know about. I enjoy the occasional Cuban cigar. So that's one of my guilty pleasures. Okay, yeah, you mentioned it a few yeah, times. Yeah, I I am a big person when it comes to nice expensive automatic watches. <laughs> uh-huh. You mentioned <laughs> yeah. that as well when we met. <laughs> oh yeah, did I mention that I just bought the new Omega uh, James Bond limited edition watch. Uh, you'd, you 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 said you would buy an Omega
1: watch. I didn't remember that it was the James yeah. Bond limited. Isn't that a little bit tacky though to have a James Bond watch? Oh, well, come I on. guess not. You, if you if, it's if, beautiful. if it was, you, you okay. should see it. It's beautiful. <laughs> All right. Well, send me a picture. I'll admire it. Um, For the cigars, I'm guessing you're not the only person in in, uh, the city to enjoy cigars. You have cigar holes and things like that?
0: Oh, yeah. There's a lovely cigar lounge that uh, I'm a member of that I go once a week and just relax there and smoke. Okay. Uh,
1: As a final uh, question slash discussion, just to go back to the two different casts of society... How much do Saudis interact with the, uh, uh, you know, m- immigrant workers like the, uh, the drivers and the maids? And is it at all possible that you would come across a driver from a different country in one of those cigar lounges if they had, they had saved, you know, for, for weeks and months to, to get there? Or would uh... people look at them, you know, like, what's that person doing here?
0: Um, no, not exactly, because you, Cigar Lounge is way up there, So, and, and most of these people who are drivers, uh, the expats, especially that work for uh, homes, they are usually on call 24-7, and when they do get a day off or some time off, they go to where they usually gather together. Uh, right,
1: so it's very separated, but I'm, I guess I'm asking the theoretical question: If yeah. they were to show up in the in the cigar lounge, would it be like the Wild West, uh, you know, uh, saloon where the the s- stranger shows up and and everyone turns around and everyone spe- stops speaking and they're like, "Hey, have you lost your way, stranger?" And, uh, and you know,
0: no, 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 I don't think so. No, no, no and. Um, it's uh, we we are usually most at least um, a good percentage of Saudis usually treat people just like people. It okay. Doesn't matter whether you're a driver or an expat or a local. At least a good a good decent percentage of people are like that. You would have those uh, idiots or as I would like say assholes that <laughs> would treat people differently and just. Uh, and those and and they are worth nothing in my book because anybody who treats a, a, a human being as something other than a human being is not a human being himself, so uh, right. but most people treat them well, and it's inqual and and for let me be honest, I'm not saying all of them are like this not, not There are Saudis who treat these drivers and these mates in their homes like trash. But there are a lot of these Saudis who actually reach a point where these mates or this driver, these drivers have been working for them for five, ten years, and they are almost family with, uh, for them. Mm, right. So you have, you have different levels of people, different societies. There's no way to label Saudis as either they dislike or treat them badly or they are very good with them. You have all the levels of Saudis in society like any other place in the world. So, okay. but as I said, a lot of them treat them like family and almost like family. I, uh, for example, I, my mom has a maid. It's she's been working with my mom for over 10 years now. And, and she's almost family. And she even comes and teases us, and we joke right. with her and, and harass each other. And it's, it's something like that. So, right. Yeah. We so, have I guess, this, yeah. Uh, it, it, it makes sense. I, I I guess it's not to the
1: extreme where I was talking about. You know, I was I was wondering about where. Uh, yeah, it, it would be it would be strange if someone like that entered the. Uh, he he the, would
0: the, he would he would definitely get looks. People because it's stare, it's unusual, not yes, because they yes yeah. Okay. yeah, but but nobody would say anything about it if okay. the guy can pay for it. Nobody's going to tell him no. Unless uh, there's some regulations about dress code or something it's not dressed as something different, but other than that if i w- you have some of these guys sometimes would go into a restaurant or go into a place and and they just order and sit the people might look mm. at them wonder what's going on, but then they everybody goes to do whatever they're doing
1: okay. All right. Uh, well, excellent. Thank you so much, Turkey, for that inside look in uh, in Saudi uh, culture and life. Uh, well, I hope it was enjoyable for uh, the, the dear listeners. Uh, before we uh, close this chapter of the show, can you please tell people where they can follow you if they want to have more of your daily musings?
0: Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter if you're interested. And my Twitter ID is at Turkey Al a, and I'm doing my best to post there I'm not posting as much as I should but I do it what I can okay.
1: So, Turkey Alballa. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, as I mentioned on this show. Um, I'm not Patrick on both places. And uh, you can also find the show at Frenchspin.com on the web. That's where I host the shows I produce in English. Um, you'll find the regular episodes of the Phileas Club, which are a little bit different. They're not one on one conversations, but rather uh, multi angled conversations on current Events uh, and the next one of those uh, should arrive in about ten days. Uh, are are you available for that show, Turkey? We'll we'll discuss it afterwards. Sure. <laughs> sure, whenever you want me, I'm available. Excellent. <laughs> uh, so we'll be back in about ten days with that new show. Of course, you can support the Phileas Club on Patreon if you think the show has value and if you would like to uh, see it uh, keeping you know to stay alive. Um, you can go to Patreon.com/slash the Phileas club there's about 170 of you uh supporting the show and i'm incredibly infinitely uh, thankful for your support so thank you so much to all of my uh, patriots who are patriots of the Phileas club and uh, as i said we'll be back in uh, about 10 days with a regular show and hopefully you enjoyed this one hopefully you'll enjoy the next one and we'll talk to you then